Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the digital resource curator for Faith to Go. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we're back with you for this week leading up to Sunday, October 3rd. We're in it. We're in the fall. I can't believe it. It is officially fall. Yeah. Stores have weird scary things for Halloween now, which is always jarring. And it's also here in San Diego, 82 degrees. degrees. (laughs) Yeah. And we are, it's also proper 22 in year B, Mm -hmm. if you're following along. We're getting up there in our proper numbers. Uh, So we'll be talking about the gospel for this Sunday in uh, Mark chapter 10. Um, But before that, we have an email from someone that's not Hannah Wilder. Correct. Though we love her emails. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, but this is uh, from another Faith to Go listener, a question from our discussion a few weeks ago about Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman from, wow, this must be a month ago. Um, Stephen writes, I have a couple of questions about your reflections a couple of weeks ago on the story of Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman. Charlotte, you're on the spot. Okay, I'm ready. You stated that Jesus responded to the woman's request, quote, in a way that only can be described at best as unkind. As you suggested, we don't often hear about this side of Jesus because it doesn't fit nicely with the narrative of a perfectly kind, perfectly loving Jesus. So my first question is to ask why Jesus' response wouldn't be considered sinful. It seems to me that his response isn't in line with his command to love your neighbor as yourself, even when considering the cultural context of the situation. Also, relatedly, how do you reconcile other passages like this that may show Jesus in this light with the prevailing image of that perfectly kind and gentle Jesus? My second question is about our ability to influence God. Later in your reflection, you said that the Syrophoenician woman turns Jesus' heart and, quote, wins the fight, suggesting that this reflects the need for us to advocate for ourselves. Does this mean that we as humans can actually change the mind of God Mm. or that God doesn't already fully know our needs before we ask for them? Thanks, and thanks again for the great work that you do. Best, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, I love it. For these challenging questions, which... I'm going to tell you right now, we do not have answers for, right? but can simply offer some of our own wrestling with these ideas, because these are big ideas. Right. These are big ideas. And our interpretation of this story did bring up these questions. Yeah. But this is, I think the, the first thing I would say is that there are, this, these questions are coming up because of our interpretation, right? right? And, and our interpretation, our interpretation isn't the only one. Mm-hmm. There's other ways of interpreting this question that don't bring up some of these, you know, you could call them like theological problems, theological quandaries, or these questions that Stephen is so eloquently asking. Um, but, but at the same time, this is the, the way that we interpret it is the way that we feel yeah. like, like most connected to the story. So we have to deal with these questions now. You right, know, like that's our job in in terms of our own interpreting and wrestling, right, with the thing. So, do you want to sure start off because he asked you specifically? I know well because I think that most of his questions came out of my point for that week, uh-huh. and I love that you immediately named David wrestling with it because that's also what I hear Stephen doing and the questions that he sent to us. And even though David and I, every time we gather together, we say we illustrate points, we talk about the gospel. Very often what we are doing is wrestling with scripture. Uh And for me, that is an important piece of my own faith formation, my willingness to examine what is there and to not 
always name things as black and white, um, as right or wrong, as sin or unsinful. Um, and so by enabling our ourselves to poke at the gospel and to say, whoo, Jesus, that felt really unkind and I am uncomfortable right now. Um, I open myself up to conversation with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a lot of what I was saying in all of my point that week is that we need to open ourselves up to it. It's not necessarily, and again, this is my personal reflection, not the adamant truth is where I come to in all of this is that it isn't for me that God doesn't know everything that I need, but it's my willingness to be in conversation with God um, about what I need. And how am I coming to that conversation that day? Am I coming to it with a quiet, reflective heart, like your day at Camp Stevens where you were centered in doing prayer? Or do I feel anger and frustration? And am I yelling at God being like, why is this happening to me? Um, and how, how can this world be this way? And Neither of those is the right way. Neither of those are the wrong way. They are both ways to interact with God Mm -hmm. on any given day. And I try to be open to that. I try to be open to God's presence in all of those different ways for me. Mm -hmm. And also, I think it's probably important for me to name that I'm uncomfortable with putting Jesus or God in a box. Um, And so as as I wrestle with this scripture and as I also then in turn wrestle with the questions that Stephen so eloquently posed to us what I keep coming back to is I can't call Jesus sinful mm-hmm. um, that's for me personally not where I am I do think that Jesus is a lot of things and that if we only paint God, paint Jesus as kind and gentle that we are limiting God mm-hmm. um, that Jesus was also a table flipper Um, that Jesus was fully human and had human interactions with other people, that sometimes he was tired and probably hungry, um, and all of those things. And those are all pieces of being Jesus and being God. Um, But that ultimately Jesus is fully God. Mm. And that's the piece that's so cool about all these conversations Mm -hmm. is that it can be both and. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of has to be. Yeah. Um, And yeah, it's like, it's like um if it if it is fully i mean we have parts of we have pieces of scripture where the interpreters of jesus's life like in hebrews are saying that we have we have this figure of jesus who fully experienced everything we've experienced in our humanity but without sin right at the same time i wonder like is it genuinely fully human if you're not sinning if you're not like causing suffering, is that part of being human to, to like be hurt, to cause suffering, but then to grow from that, you know, to, to be changed by that suffering. And like, does it give Jesus, like, is there some, is there some beautiful texture that's added to Jesus's humanity when he experiences that too? Mm. So then we really, then, then God really is in everything of our humanity that we're experiencing. God is experiencing with us. And that doesn't fit into a nice, like, orthodox box. Right. An orthobox. <laughs> trademark. Um, trademark orthobox. So when we're reading this gospel, we are doing our Anglican thing of reading scripture through. Our, we're, like, doing our three-legged stool thing of Anglicanism, of, like, encountering scripture through the tradition that's been passed on to us, i.e. other people's interpretations of it. 
and our own experience of the world as it is now. Mm-hmm. Because we look at this gospel in light of all the realities of injustice and oppression and marginalization of people outside the dominant culture or even or within the dominant culture that have a particular part of their identity that doesn't fit with that dominant culture uh, that are marginalized because of that identity. And we see Jesus doing this problematic thing. Mm-hmm. And when we can explain it away in a lot of different ways, but what we're choosing to do is try to wrestle with that reality. And so we're, we're reading the scripture through the lens of our experience. Uh, still trying to wrestle and remain within that kind of orthodoxy, mm-hmm. but also kind of pushing against its boundaries to try to create something new, mm-hmm. you know, and that is really hard. It's uncomfortable, but it's authentic to who we are and what we're doing. So it's like not so straightforward. And it's really about trying to figure out what, what if we can create the space in ourselves for that discomfort what kind of re- what idea resonates, even if it's not necessarily the orthodox idea, right? Like even if you can't explain it away in like binary terms, if you have to do that kind of yes and kind of thing, that is good because that means it's like living into the mystery of God. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what is resonating? If if it's the if like you say, yeah, Jesus can sin. Okay, we don't like that idea. But what if it's resonating with you a little bit? What mm-hmm. if it's like, oh, maybe Jesus, maybe that's like a like maybe that's helping me think about my humanity, and that's good. That's a good thing. So I think like sit with it. Yeah, you know, that's but what we're also to do. like it, sit with it and keep asking the questions. Like that was the coolest part about getting this email from Stephen is. There are really good questions in there, really hard questions in there, which means that you're wrestling with it, you're thinking about it, you're spending time with the gospel and that you are living into it throughout the week. So anytime that something makes us question, I love that. Like, I really do. I'm challenged by it, but I love it. So again, we want to hear from you all too. Stephen, thank you so much. Uh, Keep them coming. Um, We would love to hear from any... And every one of you, uh, you can email us like Stephen did, faith to go at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website, myfaith2go.org, or you can tag us or, um, or direct messages on Instagram at faith to go. And so now, speaking of wrestling with the gospel, we're going to do it. We're going to read uh, the gospel for this upcoming Sunday and highlight a couple points from it. The gospel for this Sunday is Mark chapter 10, verses 2 to 16. Charlotte's going to read it, and then we're each going to share a point. Some Pharisees came, and to test Jesus, they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. 
But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me, do not stop them. For it is to those such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up into his arms, laid hands on them, and blessed them. All right, Jesus, thanks for this one. Yep. <laughs> um, so we are uh, in Mark chapter 10, as I said before. Chapter 1, which we skipped over because if you notice, this is uh, verse, sorry, verse 1. This is verse 2. Uh, verse 1 just says that it's just talking about where Jesus is geographically. He is now, they're now moving slowly from Galilee down to Jerusalem. They're beginning their trek south so um jesus has left kind of that area where he's been doing all of his teaching and preaching and healing in that region of galilee and north of galilee and around the sea of galilee and now moving south through the land of judea the jordan um and that's really it there's last week was the end of chapter nine uh and then this is the first verses of chapter 10 so we haven't gone we haven't been jumping around. This is just the next thing that's happening. And I have the first point because I'm talking about the beginning. Yes. Talking about the divorce part. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is this is a challenging, this is challenging for me for a number of reasons. Um, I think it's like, this is a good example to me of like that process of reading through the lens of experience. Mm-hmm. Because I, as a divorced person, I'm reading this and I'm like, Jesus, just on the face of this, if this is just about how people shouldn't get divorced, Jesus is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, he obviously wasn't married. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, these, these are the things that come up for me. It's just like the recognition that I got married when I was 22 years old. And I think at the time, Jesus himself couldn't have talked me out of it. It was just going to happen. And, you know, there's like so many, so many dynamics that I could go into. But I think it was so, it was just like, it was really clear. And I think it is, I think this is true for a lot of people that get divorced. uh, That sometimes it is just better to to be divorced than to stay married for the mm-hmm. sake of staying married. I think that's just I think that's just a truth mm-hmm. of our world and of relationship, you know? And that and the frustrating thing to me about this is that like Jesus if we're interpreting this as just Jesus railing against divorce generally, he doesn't say anything about premarital counseling. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give anybody a checklist as to how to like figure out and discern whether you should get married or not. Yeah. Obviously, this is a different cultural context where where men have a whole lot more power and authority um, than and autonomy than women do in this culture. So that so then so it's like Jesus is talking. Th- so then we need to like back up and think about the the context within which Jesus is saying these things, and and it's not one in which like two people are on equal footing with like an equal amount of power in the culture with like an equal amount of ability to consent Mm -hmm. to 
this thing, which is probably why he doesn't talk about why you should or should not get married, you know, because that probably wasn't part of the thought process. It was mm -hmm. much more transactional, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and yet it is Jesus is Jesus is talking about it in kind of a spiritual way. He's bringing in scripture. Obviously, these are quotes. God made them male and female. That's from Gen the first uh, story in Genesis. Both of these quotes are from this from Genesis one for that. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. That's like a spiritual reality that Jesus is trying to hold on to, which maybe maybe is like a critique of the transactional nature that that marriage has taken on. Mm -hmm. And so maybe this in and of itself is like Jesus trying to critique the system. Part of that system is also the fact that if a that like it was also a cultural reality that even once you were married the man had more autonomy in the relationship and more deciding power than the woman so for a man to just be able to write a certificate of divorce whenever he wanted to and be divorced worked out fine for him because yeah. he could keep his land he could keep his property he could keep all of his wealth and he could go out and find another woman to marry whatever he wanted just keep making transactions. But a divorced woman didn't have any rights, didn't keep any of the property, you know, like, so there's a way I think of reading this where Jesus is pushing back against an unjust way of thinking about how marriage works. I think maybe that's why he goes so like to the idea that then to divorce your wife and marry another is to commit adultery against her is to really be like, you can't, it's not like, I, I think then he just he's trying to reinforce this idea like you can't just go out and do whatever you want because you want to do it. Mm -hmm. Like there's real consequences. Not just like physical consequences for this person who now is just out here totally vulnerable to the world and you're perfectly fine over there going on to marry somebody else. But there's like real spiritual consequences uh, for you to do this. And at the same time, my experience now is, tells me that there's real spiritual consequences sometimes for staying married. Mm -hmm. And there's consequences for, for families and people uh, if you stay married when it really is like more authentic to be divorced. Yeah. So those are the two things that we're wrestling with. We're wrestling with Jesus' words and with our experience that like, I don't know, I think it's just more complicated than these oh, words of sure. Jesus. For sure. And... And just wondering how else we can think about think about this text. Yes. You know. Well, and like, so let's go into my point then. And we can talk about it more in my point also, um, which is, yes, he's bringing forward vulnerable people. And I actually want to, for just a moment, I'm going to backtrack to last week's gospel. Oh, yeah. um, because as you guys have heard before, there is this lectionary written for children that's called God's Word, My Voice. And in chapel at Christ Church Day School, we use that lectionary. And so in chapel yesterday, we had the story where the child is brought and Jesus brings the child, sits them on their lap and gives them a hug. Mm -hmm. And that is such a powerful image for me, for someone whose call in life is to work with children, of the way that we love and care for children and respect them, right? Um, and that 
Jesus models that for us over and over again, love, respect, care for one another. Um, and I think that that's definitely one of the things that we're seeing again in this in this gospel, both as it relates to that first part of the scripture, but then here in the second, when Jesus says, people were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them and the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Meaning that the that God belongs to all of us, right? Like the rich and the powerful have no problem claiming the kingdom of God as their own. And they have a whole set of rules on how you're allowed to enter and what it takes to be a Christian. And maybe we experience that still today. Um, but that these people who are marginalized at this time, these women who are getting divorced and cast aside, these little children who do not have voice or vote, um, that the kingdom of God belongs to those such as these. And Jesus illustrates that not just with his words, but by the physical presence of children and the way in which Jesus receives them. Mm-hmm. And certainly there are times where maybe conversations that are going on are not conducive to having little children around. And yet in multiple stories at this point, we have Jesus making room for children in those stories over and over again and saying the kingdom of God belongs to these. As you welcome them, you welcome me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then even further than that, he goes on and says, truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them and blessed them. And when I read this the other day, as you and I prepped for the podcast, I thought to myself, well, does that mean if I don't believe when I'm a little child <laughs> that, that I don't get to belong to Jesus, that the kingdom of heaven is not for me? Because that's a harsh reality to accept. Um, and I don't think that that is what's being said here. I think it's, it's an invitation to wonder, um, to be childlike in the way that we experience God, to not harden our heart, to not set rules and expectations that are not given to us. You know, we know that the greatest commandment is love God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. And almost all of us can quote that. But do we live into it? And have we set another set of false expectations and rules for other people? Are we gatekeeping Jesus? Um, I think that these are all things that I wrestle with on a continual basis. And I think it's important to name that we need to remain open, that we need to be willing to ask questions and wrestle, um, that we need to create space for people who are marginalized, who are vulnerable. And sometimes we need to take a hard look at our own selves and, and what our own personal behaviors are that are limiting us and keeping us from being in closer relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as the, as the parent of a three-year-old, mm-hmm. a.k.a. a three-nager, <laughs> which is a term I just learned this week, which is completely accurate, uh, all, George, all George does is ask me questions, you know? Yeah. And, like, and the thing is that it's not just... It's questions for the sake of a number of things. I think it's questions out of genuine curiosity and openness. And and then it's questions for the sake of connecting. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing about it is that he like (laughs) legitimately every question he asks, the answer will like change his paradigm of the world, you know, because he actually is learning everything for the first time. Yeah. And I feel like Jesus wants that for all of us all the time. 
It was like it le legitimately the the truths. The truth is so big and complex that it's going to take us our whole life, paradigm shift after paradigm shift, to to grasp even the smallest part of it. You mm -hmm. know, so it was like this lifelong journey of wondering, questioning, and legitimately being open to our world being shift, our worldview being shifted, mm -hmm. and that's really hard. But it's also like what would how how different would things be like in our our individual relationships and in our like national life and our dialogue with one another if we were legit open. curious mm -hmm. and open to new ways of seeing the world yeah mm -hmm. yeah all right so those are our two points for this week uh we would love to hear your third point but to recap ours mine was about divorce and just ways of 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 interpreting scripture through the lens of our experience uh taking jesus's words but also taking the living word of god which is us mm -hmm. you know which is our life and reconciling and, and keeping those intention and wrestling with the truths of those both of those things um, and the ways that jesus is is trying to protect people protect relationship protect people's spiritual wellness and also protect their physical wellness in their in, in the in the midst of their cultural realities and the second one was Charlotte's and it was about Jesus uh, using the example of children to constantly invite us to that kind of wondering and questioning and becoming aware of when we're shutting down, when we're becoming those gatekeepers to truth or when we're opening ourselves and the practices that will, that will get us to that place regularly. So we would love to hear from you, any of your uh, questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or reflection, any of your uh, places you saw God this past week, any maybe your third point for the gospel uh, this upcoming Sunday, uh, which is the Sunday for October 3rd, uh, proper 22 in year B. You can email us, faith2go at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website, myfaith2go.org, or you can direct message us or tag us on Instagram at faith2go. We'll be back next week uh, where we will read any and all of your messages. We promise. Mm -hmm. Uh, for proper 23, uh, October 10th. And uh, until then, we say goodbye. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody.